Welcome back to Screen Time. I'm Ro Khan. I'm Richard Groper. Golden Globes starts the official award season. We're going to talk about the good, the bad, the ugly, and the very controversial. Yeah, the question is, were the 78th annual Golden Globes the last Golden Globes we'll ever see? I have some feelings and thoughts. Tina Fey and Amy Poehler joked about that in their promos before the Golden Globes telecast on Sunday night. We'll find out what that was all about, but first... Screen Time with Rowan Roper is brought to you by AmericanEagle.com Studios. The digital landscape is changing rapidly, and to compete in today's business environment, you need an experienced partner. Since 1995, AmericanEagle.com has partnered with companies of all sizes, offering web design, development, e-commerce, mobile apps, and digital marketing to drive your overall business success. Because they believe today's online world is your opportunity. Visit AmericanEagle.com to get started today. The Golden Globes are awards given out by the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. The Hollywood Foreign Press Association is made up of around 90 international no-black journalists who <laughs> attend movie junkets each year in search of a better life. We say around 90 because a couple of them might be ghosts, and it's rumored that the German member is just a sausage that somebody drew a little face on. <laughs> So for decades, the Golden Globes have been on TV. It's been a drunken bacchanalia, I think that's redundant, of Hollywood stars sitting around at round tables, taking their shoes off and throwing rolls at each other. (laughs) And as you just heard, Amy Poehler and Tina Fey had to address the elephant in the room, which is the presenting organization. Yeah, it's a white elephant that's in the room. And it was not the last time you were going to hear either presenters or uh, award winners take jabs at the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. They've been coming under a lot of fire. We've talked a lot about it, how there's only about 90 members. They're a very secret, cloistered organization. Not all of these so-called journalists are full-time journalists. Uh, And we also learned just recently that there are zero, no black members in the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. That was brought up several times. As for the awards themselves, Ro, it was very interesting to me to see the very first two awards on the Golden Globes were given to Daniel Kaluuya Mm -hmm. and his portrayal of Fred Hampton and Judas and the Black Messiah, and then John Boyega, who's in Small Acts, two black actors, and as I saw someone say on Twitter, they now have two more winners tonight than they have in the entire Hollywood Foreign Press Association who are black. Now, the real, real cynic in me, the deep cynic in uh, me. I think I know where you're going here because uh, do you mind if I say it? Go ahead. You're, say you're it. the critic. Say it. Say it. I, you know, Ernst & Young, which is the accounting firm, and they're supposed to handle all the voting. And again, mm-hmm. there's fewer than 90 active voters. Yes. So this isn't like the thousands, the tens of thousands that do the SAG Awards or the thousands that do the Academy Awards. Right. I mean, you could redo the vote an hour before the show and get it all worked out. The Senate has a more difficult time counting their votes than the Hollywood Foreign Press does. And I just kind of figured that they may have wanted to reconfigure the outcomes beforehand because of all of this. Well, I I do not impugn in any way the august firm of Ernst & Young. I'm sure they tallied every vote correctly. I'm sure they did. But the ballots could be sent in up until just a couple of days before the Golden Globes, which meant... That if you're a voting member, if you're among those 90-ish voting members and you saw all the controversy and all the criticism, it might just be, and I know they're the the most esteemed and ethical journalists in the history of reportage, Rokan, but 
Oh, you did have time if you were a voter to say, well, you know what? Maybe I'll vote for more black actors than I was going to. And I'm not saying that happened, but I found it very interesting. There's no way in my very not humble opinion that they didn't vote defensively here because they realize that they are on the verge of extinction. Well, they're going to have to make a lot of changes, and I know we're going to talk about that after we get into some more of the awards here. And they are on the verge, I think, of extinction. Uh, we talked about Andre Day, who we both loved in the United States versus Billie Holiday and her amazing performance as the iconic blues singer. Not only did she do an amazing job with the vocals, but she was brilliant in the dramatic scenes and just, just, a, just a fully formed and realized, authentic performance. She was the long shot, anywhere from 15 or 16 to 1 to 40 to 1 right. to win for Best Actress, and she won, which was a great moment. But again, that raised some eyebrows where people were saying, well, all of a sudden, this this the longest of the long shots, almost of the evening, won in her category, and but you could. We make talked the about argument. it. Yeah, we talked about it in the last podcast, mm-hmm. and I absolutely said that's the bet I would take because she was so great in it. She was only the long shot, I think, because so few people had actually seen the movie. The front runner was Frances McDormand from Nomadland because she's won every Golden Globe, even when she hasn't been up for it. <laughs> and there's amazing performances. Viola Davis for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Fra- uh, you mentioned Frances McDormand, Vanessa Kirby in Pieces of a Woman, and Carrie Mulligan for Promising Young Woman. All trophy-worthy, awards-worthy performances. But as you mentioned, I don't think as many people had seen Andre Day in the United States versus Billie Holiday. And she was considered a little bit of an outside contender for a Best Actress Oscar nomination, and even though the Golden Globes have come under all this fire, when you win a Golden Globe, it kind of catapults you back into the conversation. Now, I want to ask you, Rokan, as a longtime student of the media, participant in television and radio and podcasting and everything, and Mm -hmm. you you know these awards shows very well through the years. I mean, I remember it was before your time when Johnny Carson would be hosting the Oscars. I did not know that. (laughs) Uh, And I think Tina Fey and Amy Poehler our first ballot Hall of Famers when it comes to hosting award shows. Yes. And it was a unique challenge with them on opposite coasts, and they did they played a little bit with the technology. Also interesting that the audience uh, consisted of, as they said, very hot first responders and essential workers. So it wasn't that you know that crazy drunken showbiz crowd. They tried to do some stuff. Now we had the nominees either in hotel suites or at home. In most right. cases, right. right? And in their lovely homes. Yeah. Some of we them... had some background game. We yeah. got to see a little bit of what was going on. Yeah. I thought it was very interesting that Kate Hudson brought her entire family. Yes. We had to actually see Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn amongst a 17 shot. Looked like a super spreader event to me. But, you know, that's that. And uh, Aaron Sorkin had a, had a huge gathering. Listen, I, you know, for all we know, these families have quarantined for the safe amount of time okay, just whatever. for the Golden yeah, Globe. Sure. And, I, and I do love that certain celebrities, you know, Aaron Sorkin was in this magnificent home, whether it's as his or someone else's. Yeah. He has certainly earned it over he the had, years. He had, he had stadium seating for all the yes, people behind he did. him. You know, there were some cousins over there that, you know, the, he hasn't talked to me since a few good men. That was my <laughs> idea. But uh, then other celebs, they like the tighter close-up shots where it looks like they're just in a room somewhere, you know, because they don't want people to know some of them did mention they were in hotel suites so that was fascinating to see the reaction shots but when they would announce the winner most of the time they'd keep the other four losers the now the new the newly minted losers yeah they would keep them on screen in the box now 
in the normal days, in the old days, the winner would go on stage and we'd get a quick reaction shot when they'd say, oh my God, I can't believe I'm even mentioned in the same category as these four wonderful actors. And the four wonderful actors would kind of applaud and think, think, I'm better than you. I was better than you. And then they'd go back to the winner on stage. But now we had to watch these reaction shots for the entirety of the acceptance speech. And in some cases, they seemed really involved and all about it. But in the case of like Al Pacino, I think he almost nodded off at some point. He's like, you know, I put on a nice shirt for this. What's a nomad land anyway? All I can say was the first time I saw Al Pacino in that little Zoom box, yeah. I'm like, who is that dude? And then I'm like, oh my God, that's Al Pacino. <laughs> and and it was so awkward how they produced huh. this. Because I have seen kindergarten parents night <laughs> Zoom meetings that are better produced than the Golden Globes were. One of the techniques that they were trying to employ here was setting up an upcoming awards presentation before a commercial break, and they would show you the five box of the different people who were up for the award. In one category. Who were competing with each other, right. Yes. And they would then encourage them to interact with each other on their Zoom call. As we all know now, there's timing differences. Mm -hmm. Somebody's baud rate is different than somebody else's. And the next thing you know, they're all kind of talking over each other. At one point, it's almost like they're in Al Pacino's ear like, hey, interact, interact. Hate to do this, but I got to play some of it for you because it's just cringeworthy. Very good to meet you on the screen (laughs) again. Hi, Josh. How are you? Are you Next, uh, the stars of TV dramas are going to take the spotlight. It's the Golden Globes right here on NBC. This isn't a regular show. You don't go down to three, right? That's network TV 2021 style. I was up against Hackman in the 70s. What is this nonsense? (laughs) Well, no, you are 100% right. Every single one of those was a disaster because it was just like when you have five people on the Zoom and you start the chat, whether it's the school board or the right. parents or you're doing your happy hour with your friends. Everybody talks at once. Again, you're right. We're talking about major showbiz television on NBC. They had time to prepare and they should have said, there's ways to do that. You can say, all right, we're going to get all five nominees and they're going to say whoever the oldest, maybe the senior, most august, you know, most uh, recognized person, whether it's Al Pacino or Glenn Close, can kind of say, hi, everybody, I'm Al Pacino. These are my fellow nominees. Something like that. Some easy way to have. And all it was was, hey, hi. And all the men would be like, hey, good to see you. And all the women, of course, like, I'm rooting for you. No, I'm rooting for you because the women are nicer than the men and I actually believe them in some cases when they're saying they're rooting for the other contenders but it was a disaster that didn't work uh when Daniel Kaluuya's name was announced right at the top of the show he had no audio and they were about to cut to commercial and then they came back to him and then we were reminded he's British because he does amazing I mean so many British actors do great American accents and Australian actors etc but he you know when you think of Get Out or the, the role he won for for playing Fred Hampton there's not even a hint of the King's English. I mean, he sounds like he's from Chicago. He sounds like a Midwestern or whatever he needs to be. And then it turns out he actually sounds like he's in David Copperfield. You know, right, Pip, Pip, hello there, one, <laughs> happy to win, you know, and it, which is fantastic. Oh, but, wait, know. this brings me to the thing. He was the first playoff of the night. And here is the problem yeah, with the Golden yeah. Globes. The first award goes to a black man which is very important because there are no black voters and they have this entire controversy going on, as we just discussed. 
and they're trying to figure out a way to play him off because they got to him too late. Mm. First of all, you're on freaking Zoom. You can't play off on Zoom because then you're hearing the back. Yeah, the, that didn't work at all. Either. Yeah, you're hearing there was some weird technical thing that kept happening. the The sound of it was so distracting and so awful. It would have been better to have just the winner on a firm satellite link. Yeah, for them. When they're actually announcing the nominations, the best play there is to maybe just do a clip instead of showing them awkwardly staring in to their laptop. It doesn't work. It doesn't work in real life on our home computers, and it didn't work on television. And you know, there were there were some of, uh, attempts by the nominees to be entertaining, which I did appreciate. Um, when Catherine O'Hara won for Schitt's Creek, her husband was was playing with his phone, and people were trying to figure out what is he doing. It was he was trying to do playoff music to her on the spot but we couldn't tell what it was so it just sounded like he was you know watching a cat video or something so that didn't work but there were some nice uh more sly and subtle touches david fincher was up in a couple of categories and when his name was not announced and he knew they were going to keep the camera on him he would take a shot of something that looked like lemoncello or something and just go cheers and drink to them that was fun i liked when there were spontaneous moments like mark ruffalo's kids jumped in there and you know started hugging him when he won the family celebration was nice we saw a lot of people with their partners with their husbands with their wives whatever the case may be some great speeches chadwick boseman's widow gave an absolutely oh. heartbreaking oh, speech that yeah. was beautiful and the two lifetime honorees um uh, Norman Lear, yes. the television pioneer who won the Carol Burnett Award, still and alive. He's, he's the only one there that could say like he called Carol Burnett kid. You know, he's <laughs> he's ninety nine years old, right. and when you see Ro, what he did with television, and it's kind of cool because they're doing reboots of all the famous shows from the seventies, like All in the Family and Good Times. But when you saw the content, what was being said about race and sex and the woman's right to choose on these shows in nineteen seventy four. It was incredible. And he gave a beautiful, lovely, articulate speech. He thanked everybody he worked with, which, again, goes back to, I believe, Herbert Hoover was mentioned. You know, <laughs> then he was like, I want to thank Listen, Mark Twain, my first partner. He rocked the floppy hat in the 1970s. And it made hat. him like the oldest man in Hollywood then. When he was 40. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. now look at him. It's and then incredible. there was Jane Fonda, yes. who was thankfully there and able to come out and, and give her speech. I don't know if that stuff was pre-recorded or not, but she was remarkable. Yeah, and, and you could just tell how beloved she is. And I know there are, there are certain causes and things that Jane Fonda got involved with 50 years ago that people will never forgive her for. She has done so much good work through the years. You and I have had a chance to talk to her a few times. And when I was watching her, I couldn't help but be reminded a few years ago, she won a Lifetime Achievement Award here in Chicago from the Chicago Film Festival. And I got to not only moderate the discussion, but hang with her for the full dinner. And they had named various drinks after various movies of hers. And she said, oh, the Barbarella Martini. Let's try that. Let me just tell you something, Rome. We got well and good sloshed on Barbarella Martinis. Wow. And when we're on stage, she said, what does somebody got to do? She goes, I'm the lifetime honoree. What do we have to do to get a drink up here? That is a woman after my own heart. And here's the problem with this year's Golden Globes. Traditionally, that show is produced to be a shit show. The ceiling is low. The bar is high, the ceiling's low. Correct. That's exactly right. And it just gives you that sense that you're in an intimate space yes. with these people. This was absolutely terrible. Now, the question is, does it go on because of the controversy? We'll get to that in just a moment. But first... I'm Bob Burke, founder and chairman of Burke America Parts Group, a family of brands that includes RepairClinic.com, 
an appliance and HVAC parts solution company that's grown into an international brand. Before AmericanEagle.com, we partially launched a new technology platform developed by another firm. American Eagle helped take our technology to a whole new level with digital marketing, software development, and business insights into our key markets, appliances, HVAC, and outdoor power equipment, and did so both on time and on budget. AmericanEagle.com has the resources, experience, and talent needed to produce solutions. Our new technology platform developed by AmericanEagle.com has produced tremendous results with higher traffic, conversion, engagement, and online revenue. If you have any home repairs you need to take care of, check us out at RepairClinic.com. If you need a world-class website or technology project, then I would highly recommend AmericanEagle.com. Call AmericanEagle.com at 773-NETWORK. That's AmericanEagle.com, 773-NETWORK. Tina and I are back, hosting the Golden Globes. The stakes have never been lower. If we play our cards right, it might be the last awards show ever. That was a promo that was running on NBC all week before the Sunday night presentation of the Golden Globes. And I thought it was very cryptic that Amy Poehler and Tina Fey were joking about the existential nature of... Hmm that potentially last Golden Globes TV show. What is that all about? Well, the veil was really lifted off the Golden Globes in the last couple of weeks. You know, the 90 members, the junket trips to see Emily in Paris, uh, the members getting paid essentially to see movies, the utter lack of a single black journalist in their membership, the snubbing of so many black films from the Best Picture nominations. This was this snowball that just kept getting bigger and bigger. And I think if the Golden Globes were going to be held a month from now and it had been in a more traditional setting, they would have had major problems this year. I think a lot of stars and their management teams would have been really debating, do we attend the Golden Globes in a traditional manner when all these things are out there? Made it a little bit easier to be a presenter because you probably already agreed to do that. It probably made it a lot easier to be a a nominee because you were at home. But, bro, the Globes as is will not exist anymore. It's going to have to, they're going to have to make huge changes. And they said, a couple of their members were on stage at the ceremony and they said, we, you know, we're going to make changes. I think a lot of people are going to greet that with a lot of cynicism. Well, in that very disastrous pregame show that they ran on NBC the hour before, they talked about the controversy then when they were going to discuss fashions that they couldn't even show on a red carpet that didn't exist. They said the Hollywood Foreign Press members were going to get up and announce changes. And what you heard in the broadcast was Hollywood Foreign Press honchos getting up and saying nothing. Yeah, saying basically we hear you and we're going to make changes. I've seen some you know wonderful pieces already today saying, listen, if they just add, you know, they could say, hey, listen, we increased our black membership to 12. And that's now 12% of our membership because they're such a small body. That's just going to be seen as a very cynical and condescending move on the part of the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. And NBC, I believe, who has made a lot of money on this and has paid a lot of money for this show, I don't think they want to carry the show by that group anymore after this year. That's just my opinion. That's a big prediction there because it is highly rated. Well, I think here's what you can do. And the Hollywood Foreign Press Association needs to merge with another body or several different organizations and maybe still call them the Golden Globes. But I think the membership needs to expand not to a couple of hundred, but to at least a thousand. Well, okay, here's the problem. It's the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. Mm. The rules are that you work for a foreign press agency, but be L.A. based. Right. These people are either American citizens, but they're all from wherever they were from. The real political issue in America is the history of African-Americans, how many of the families got here. 
all the other issues of racial discrimination and racial violence and the things that have happened to people of color in this country. We don't really debate a lot of the exogenous issues. We debate the domestic historical issues here. Mm. How does it help the Hollywood foreign press by bringing in members from other countries? Well, they get to exist. And, you know, I think the, the easiest thing and, and maybe the smart thing would be to say we're no longer the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. We're the Hollywood Press Association. And we're going to include not only foreign journalists based in Los Angeles, but journalists who are actually working in countries across the globe, film journalists who are sometimes doing very important work, shining light on movies that in some countries can't be seen or have, have just recently been able to see. And you know what? Quite frankly, include some American critics. I can think of a few. And you could easily expand. You could make it like the Baseball Hall of Fame where it's a lot of writers. Where five or six can't really sway the vote. And you could easily put together a body of a thousand film critics, historians, journalists who write about films, serious television interviews who actually do great in-depth pieces about the makings of films. I don't think you want to include filmmakers and actors. That's the Motion Picture Academy. That's SAG for the actors. Those already exist. But if you called it the Hollywood Press Association's 79th Annual Golden Globes, you make that pivot and really expand to a 1,000 members, really change the way you do things. Don't go on all-expense-paid junkets all the time. Change the way you pay your members. You mean have some ethics? Is that what you're have some asking ethics for? Because, because isn't that the thing? Right, you're a yeah. journalist. You're a lifelong journalist. Yes. There are real rules. There are blue books. There are explanations yeah. of things you can do. There are ethical guidelines. The Hollywood Foreign Press doesn't seem to have ever really abided by any of that. No, they don't care about any of that. And again, you know, there most awards, committees, associations, there are set steadfast rules. You can't accept payments. You know, it's a, it's a cup of coffee at a brunch or something where you're interviewing someone, that's fine. But, you know, you have to be full disclosure. If you're related to somebody, you have to disclose that. Any kind of conflicts of interest. Right. I think if the Golden Globes, if the Hollywood Foreign Press Association doesn't make that type of a sweeping change, Roe, then there's an opening for someone else, for some other group. You get someone like, let's say Oprah Winfrey and Gail King and a group of other movers and shakers decide that they want to form a new type of awards that's more inclusive, that will have a thousand voting members. And they announce, we're going to have the, the World Film and TV Awards, whatever you want to call it. And this is going to be a huge thing. And if all the stars and their agents are on board and NBC or another network is on board... That then becomes the de facto Golden Globes. And the Golden Globes, as is, will not be around. Okay, here's the issue. We love the Golden Globes because they're a mess. That's the fun part of the show. That's what makes it happen. And also, the wacky nominations, the Piazzadora effect, as it has been known yeah, for years yeah, and years yeah, and years. Okay. Right? Yeah, but, so you yeah. need to have that to really sell the idea of the Golden Globes. There needs to be a little bit of exotic and a little bit of wacky to make that work. And it seems what you just proposed is going to make it super serious and somber and about bigger <laughs> issues. I think, you could, I think you could have a compromise. They don't have a trademark on wacky, drunken celebrations in Hollywood, you know? So you can, you can steal all the good parts like the fact that you know it's, it could be in a hotel ballroom doesn't have to be the beverly hilton but it could be and you can serve the champagne and you can everybody sit on top of each other and have a kind of a loosey-goosey atmosphere and and have the ricky gervais of the world be your host so they kind of jab the audience you can do all that 
but then still have the award carry a little bit. You know, the Independent Spirit Awards, which are held the Saturday before the Oscars, for years under this giant tent in Santa Monica, had that same, no, it was Independent Spirit Awards, so it was, you know, different nominees in a lot of cases, but still a lot of star power. That was a great casual ceremony, you know, from the fact that you're in this kind of astroturf carpeted tent to the wacky host to the heavy drinking happening and the bar being open. So I think it can be done. I don't think that the Golden Globes with 90 members as it stands right now continues after this year. I don't think that means the Golden Globes won't exist, but they're going to have to do a lot more than just say, hey, we added four new members and we hear you, Hollywood. That ain't going to do it. Yeah, I get the total sense of how this happened in the first place. You have this group of people, this expatriates who sit around drinking every day together anyway, and they're like, you know what we should do? We should do an award show. And however that started decades ago, it did, and it finally worked its way up to NBC because it is so fun and so weird. And, and, And because the stars continued to turn out. I mean, as you know, going way back, there was a time when the Golden Globes were considered so poisonous and trivial, they couldn't even find a television audience. And then it was relegated to basic cable. But then, you know, the stars and their managers kept thinking, you know, this can be a way to position yourself for an Academy Award. And the Golden Globe all of a sudden became the second most important television or movie award you could get behind either the Emmy or the Oscar. But we can pivot. Listen, there was a time where people were very proud of their Cable Ace Awards. Now, if you had that on your mantle, people would say, did you win a card tournament? Why do you have an ace? You know, on a, well, on a, on a- well, the MTV Awards became a huge thing because of the statue, I think, originally. And then there was the People's Choice Award, which went the other way. People's Choice Award actually was at least considered to be something, and now nobody talks about well, it. Well, the problem with that is the people made some bad choices. <laughs> right, it was all, and you also knew who won it already because it was based on some poll that had already come yeah. out. Kind Steve of- Guttenberg for Police Academy 12, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. No offense, Steve Guttenberg. <laughs> all right, well, anyway. And speaking of foreigners coming to America, we're going to do a special on Coming to America, the sequel, as well as Coming to America on our next podcast. I just barely held on for that segue. It was so smooth. That's fantastic. <laughs> And we talked to one of the stars. That's right. We talked to Kiki Lane, who plays the eldest daughter of Eddie Murphy's Prince Akeem. And there's a very interesting angle there, whether or not she'll be the heir to the throne. Oh, oh, all right. Well, stay tuned for that. Before we go, we promise this for every week. Who to follow? Who to follow this week? I am recommending the fantastic Rex Chapman. Follow Rex Chapman on Twitter. If people don't know the name, Rex Chapman was one of the all-time great high school basketball stars in the state of Kentucky, in the history of the state of Kentucky, then went to the University of Kentucky, was a college star, got drafted by the Charlotte Hornets the first time they ever picked anyone. He was their very first pick, eighth in overall you know, in the first round, became Quite a good NBA pro as well, Ro. He averaged nearly 15 points a game. Uh, During his career, though, Rex sustained a lot of injuries. And as a result of that, in retirement especially, he became addicted to various opioids, painkillers, really got down on his luck, and at one point was uh, stealing from an Apple store to try to just get enough money to fund his debts. He had gambling debts, has done a miraculous and wonderful job of of coming back. Um, He's very frank and honest and open about all of his problems on social media. But where he's become famous, it started off with his uh, feature called Blocker Charge, and he would just show all kinds of those collision videos you see on Twitter, and you do Blocker Charge, like with the NBA. But then it expanded, and now he's got more than a million followers, and it's really cool because a lot of the videos 
There's a lot of them. He just says dogs, bruh. And we see dogs doing amazing things. <laughs> or he'll say, this is the Twitter content I'm here for. And it's the big brother helping the little brother around the base paths or the, the reunion of the family when the parent is in the military. So follow Rex Chapman. It's at Rex Chapman on Twitter. I guarantee you, your life and your day will be a little bit brighter at least once a day when he tweets or retweets something. And that does it for this edition of Screen Time with Rowan Rupper, brought to you by AmericanEagle.com Studios. AmericanEagle.com is a full-service global digital agency providing best-in-class web design, development, hosting, digital marketing, and so much more. Visit AmericanEagle.com for more information. And please keep telling your friends about Screen Time. It's been great to get your feedback. It's great when you download a podcast. It's even more spectacular <laughs> when you subscribe. We really appreciate that. We've been getting a lot of great feedback. A lot of folks have been saying, Ro, you know, the only complaint I have is that it's not long enough. I want even more. And trust me about this. You're getting just enough. Any more of us and you'd be sick of us. So we love the feedback. We love the subscribers. And we really appreciate everybody. Special thanks to our executive producers, Renee Nelson and Tim Melanius, And, of course, our music and production director, Brian Alltimer. See you next time.